Welcome to the Tabletop Summary, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. Here are your hosts. Welcome, welcome listener to the Tabletop Submarine Podcast, a show where we dive a little deeper into why we love board games. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. Today's guest in the podcast is Zach Rovang. Did I say that right? You sure did. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm super excited to be here. And we're happy to have him. He's also got a really cool Kickstarter. You want to tell us about that really quick? Yeah, sure. So uh, last couple of years, my best friend Ben and I have been working on our game Mantle of the Keeper. It's a two to four player uh, fantasy skirmish game with card driven combat. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And when is that going to launch? Um, so it's actually live right now, um, and it's it's live until early August. Um, so we're about ninety percent funded right now, and uh, we're on the home stretch. So it's been a lot of fun. Very nice. Congratulations. Thank you. And this yeah. is your guys' first game, right? This is you and uh, Ben's first game you're doing? Yes, this is our first game. So we started about two years ago um, getting into game design. We've both been playing games for like seven or eight years. Um, really kind of have a card-driven combat, uh, just card background. And then we got into tabletop games uh, about seven years ago. Um, I grew up playing Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic and all that stuff and been in game design the last couple of years. So it's been it's been a journey for sure. We've met so many amazing people. And um, I'm just, I've met some awesome friends. We've connected with people all over the world. So it's been a really, really cool experience. The board game world is a very small world, smaller than most communities, I think. Like, I never thought I would have acquaintances in England, India, Australia. And these are people who, you know, if I met them in person, just be like meeting an old, meeting an old friend, just shaking their hand, saying, it's great to see you. Let's play some games. It's it's crazy. It, it, It is, it is wild. Like, I've made friends, I think, and we have a really good friend. It's a part of our group on Facebook that he's from Australia. Um, we've, we've met people all over the world and got to connect with people at uh, board game or like board game conventions at BGG Con. We got to meet some cool people and, um, and also just the many celebrities of the board game world. Uh, we get to see those um, at, at conventions. And it's just, it's such a neat uh, community. Everyone's so welcoming and inviting and, um, and loving. And that's, that's such a cool part about it. I also think there's a uh, extraordinarily high percentage of people who are not only intelligent but very empathetic in the in the group, and I think those make the best kind of friends anyway. Yes, so that's cool. for real, it, it, that's definitely true. And just getting together and, and playing games, talking about games, there's, there's really, in my opinion, nothing better than that. So, and you guys are doing it with this podcast, so that's it's pretty awesome. We're trying, we're trying. I mean, <laughs> we, we we like we we always me and Andrew when we talk about this stuff, we tell people like, no, we're not reviewers. Mm-hmm. Like, lots of podcasting are, are reviewers, which is great. They talk about the games. Me, we are we're storytellers. Yes, yes. we want to tell stories. We're here to spread stories. And, you know, talk with people about stuff. And that's why we don't have, like, long reviews of Kickstarter mm-hmm. and stuff. We just like giving people a chance, especially young publishers, first-time publishers like you and Ben, mm-hmm. a place to where they can just, you know, talk about their game for a little bit and then share stories together. Yeah. So, you know, listeners, if you have a, a Kickstarter you want to talk about just for a little bit, but more importantly, if you have a story to share, yes, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the podcast, mm-hmm. give you a place where you can talk about your game you know, for like five minutes, and then have the people who are listening get to know you so they know what they're backing on Kickstarter, who the mm-hmm. person behind it is, which in a lot of sense, I think Andrew agree, is just as important. Oh, mm-hmm. it's great important, but also the stories. Stories are amazing. Yes. There's fans out there people are hoarding to themselves. Bring them into the light. Let them share. Bring them to everybody else. I think with that, we are getting my instruments all fired up. I think we can head to the pre-launch. What do you say, Andrew? That sounds good. 
a pre-launch. Get to know us and our guest. So for the pre-launch, we got a little quick review of games we've been playing. Josh, what has been on your table? So I have been. This is a follow-up on what I did a couple episodes ago for on the radar, which is Kids on Bikes. Um, for those of you who don't remember, Kids on Bikes is a tabletop role-playing game um, set via ET, Stranger Things, stuff yep. like that. The entire uh, RPG is around being teens, kids, and adults in this small town where you can get around on bikes and supernatural things happen. This was designed by Jonathan Gilmore and Doug Lewandowski. And I got to admit, I run this for the past three weeks. Um, next week, um, meaning the end of June when this time of recording, sorry, end of July time of recording. Um, this is fun. This is a really good RPG. Um, I really wish beyond most people when they think TTRPGs, think about Dungeons and Dragons, maybe Call of Cthulhu. Great games, but there are so many small, good RPGs out there that provide a really great setting. For the past three weeks, I've had an opportunity each Wednesday night to run this game with some people, and it has been awesome. The character creation, especially is fantastic we go through you decide some tropes you want to be you want to be a kid adult you want to be the loner the weirdo the the conspiracy theorist what do you want to be you go through all of that and then you ask each other questions about each other so you're creating not only your story but you're helping other players at the table create their story as well it is a awesome experience i love the the dice mechanisms the exploding dice mechanisms it is fantastic and that is kids on bikes zach what have you been playing recently so here recently, a game I, I haven't been playing as many games as I'd like. Um, but here recently, a game that just wowed me, that just it honestly just floored me, and I want to keep going back to it is a game that my friend Derek introduced me, which is Paleo, um, and that's been all over the place here recently um, on Board Game Geek. Um, I think it's won some pretty big awards. But Paleo is essentially you're playing as some cavemen, a group of cavemen, and you're working together to overcome any number of obstacles. Um, and what's so beautiful about this game is that it's mostly, it, it's all visual. So like on, on each round, you have a set of, of deck you draw from, you pick three cards from those and you choose one of the pictures on the back of the card. Um, and essentially, you know that, okay, if I go to the river, I'm going to get these resources. I go to this, uh, if I go to um, this hazard, I might probably something bad is going to happen, but something good could happen. If I go to the mountains, I'm going to get rocks or encounter wildlife. and so based off of what you're trying to do for that module, there's all kinds of different modules. You choose one of those pictures on the card for that round and you get to flip it over and there's several options on it. And you're trying to work together to overcome the module. Um, like the last one we played is there was a pack of wolves that we kept encountering in the encounter deck. Um, it's just a fantastic game. Like I think that it's really going to, we're going to see a lot of games going towards that more picture driven, but also like a cooperative um uh, experience. It, it's just a, such a cool game. The theme's cool. Um, I originally wasn't really interested in it. And my friend was like, Hey, I bought this game. It's won some awards. He showed it to me and I just, I keep wanting to go back to it. So I might actually be playing it tonight. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. It's, it's on my radar and one that has mm -hmm. a really cool table presence. It's got like the cool card holders and yes. great and stuff like that. So I haven't played it yet, but I'm anxious to try it out myself. So that's a very cool choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The real quick, the the table or the uh, card holder it's really neat but it's so finicky like we we've, we've honestly oh. just not, don't even use it because it's it's so finicky like it stuff falls off all the time but it's still amazing table presence great game 
All right. So also, uh, I just finished getting uh, Baron Park played. It's now Game Arena. And uh, so that was a good place for me to try it out for the first time. And I'm very impressed by it. Uh, Phil Walker Harding is doing some amazing things as a whole. Um, and he's got a new uh, company coming out. Uh, Joey Games is his, his new launching, his publishing company. But uh, this game is really great. So it's a polyomino game where you're kind of building your little park, but you have to draft the polyominoes from the board by placing other polynomials on the board to claim them. So it's got this really kind of interesting engine kind of thing where you, you place to get, and then you place those to get more, and you place in a different spot to expand your park. And it's kind of a race game because everything's value drops after things get purchased. So if you're first to get stuff, you're going to get more points for it. If you're first to finish your park in the one section, you get points for that. And it's got this kind of interesting combination of things. And it's simple and gateway level, but has some nice depth of strategy there. So I really enjoyed it, and that's the thing I've been playing lately. So I absolutely love Baron Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I played it for the first time at Tantrum Con. This is – Phil Warkal Harding is – he is just such a good designer. He's done Sushi Go mm-hmm. and Baron Park and Llama Land, all three games that I absolutely love. This this – I'm just really excited. I think this game is probably ten times better in person. Oh. than BGA. That's one of the limitations of BGA. You don't get the tactile nature of placing down the polyomino in just the perfect spot. Yeah, It's such a satisfying game in person. Yeah, but I mean, I, I agree with you. It's probably better in person, and then you get the table banter and stuff like that. But at the same time, for a good chance to try the game first, I think BGA is an amazing place to do that. Yeah, for sure. I need to challenge you to a game at Baron Park so I can cream you at it. Done! <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Alright. So, you'll probably, you'll uh, probably whip me. <laughs> I think we've, uh, we've done enough pre-launching. Let's go ahead and get into the dive. Woo! Okay. Zach. Yes. We're turning over the helm to you. Please, spin us a yarn, tell us a story. Let's dive deep into this, uh, this tabletop ocean with you. Yes. So... Uh, real quick, what you guys are doing is phenomenal. I, I love because for me, it's it's all about stories. I love anything storytelling, and I think that that's why this is such a beautiful hobby. And um, and and, 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 a, and honestly, it's a lifestyle of just getting together, having a meal with people, having a beer, and playing board games, um, or just having having some water, whatever. But I absolutely love just getting together um, with people and. I've, I get together at least once a week with my friends. Uh, we have a pretty solid group of, of gamers with my coworker and her husband and my wife. And um, But I think that the one that really stood out to me that came right to mind was about a year and a half ago with my brother Mitchell and our friend Chris. Um, so context is my brother moved away to Arizona for, um, for about two years. Didn't get to see him a lot. Didn't get to play games with him. We were really close. Uh, we did youth ministry together for about five years and I saw him many times a week and then all of a sudden he, he moved away and it was tough because we were so close and he came back in uh, to Arkansas. It's a little bit closer. I live in Oklahoma. And so I drove out, he just lives about an hour and a half away as opposed to 16 hours. And so um, one weekend I said, Hey Morgan, who's my wife? I said, I'm going to go visit Mitchell. I'm taking some board games. So I love you. I'll see you later. So we go and Mitchell, my brother knew that I love board games, but he's never really been a really big into it. So I brought a couple games, um, and that's Root and Scythe. Um, and my brother, yeah. yes, yes. And my brother, he's always, he's very, very competitive. And 
if you've played Root and Scythe, those are also pretty competitive games, um, yeah. in, in both in their own unique ways. Um, and so first we started playing Scythe, um, which is a phenomenal game uh, by uh, Jamie Stegmeier, and it has amazing art by, uh, I had to look at the rule book for him, I think he's Polish, but it's Jacob Rosalski. Um, yeah. And if you ever get the chance, it's so worth it. Look up Jacob Rosalski on the internet or on uh, Instagram. He's very active on Instagram. Phenomenal artist. But so we played that and this is his first time playing it. And it was just, it was like uh, the story was being unfolded because it's set in the 1920s after World War One, and kind of like this um, alternate timeline where there's this group of people uh, or this, this big organization known as the factory that produces all these crazy um, mechs and things like that. And everyone's competing to get control of that that powerhouse called the factory. Um, and there's all these different amazing factions that have some asymmetric um, components to it and play styles. Really, really interesting. And it was just like this. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. But when we got together and played, my brother, it just clicked for my brother Mitch and our friend Chris. They just loved it and understood it. And Mitchell, growing up, I didn't like board games. Mitchell always wanted to get me to play Risk. And I never wanted to play Risk, but it was pretty interesting is that I, like Mitchell, kind of drew away from board games and I just fully embraced it. And we started with Scythe. We loved it. I beat their butts and, um, <laughs> and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But we actually ended up playing another game of Scythe because they loved it so much. Um, you know, we were we were having dinner um, in between the, the games and having snacks and sharing stories, catching up um, with, with our friend Chris and, and my brother Mitchell. Um, then, then we got into my favorite game of all time, which is Root. Um, I've always loved Root. I know it's not for everybody, but I love, I love, love, love the asymmetric factions of Root. Um, just and, and just the storytelling uh, of Root. And I know they have an RPG now that I actually want to try uh, quite badly, but I don't have an RPG group. But um, so just a, a bunch of factions of, of little woodland creatures fighting for control over um over the woodland and uh and i just i love everything about it i love kyle farron and um uh and i just i just blanked on the name pat or not patrick leather cole worley and uh amazing amazing game designer and artist but um they loved that too i, I think he, he likes scythe a little bit better but just the, just the asymmetry of those games it was again and it was just like they understood it they loved it and to see people loving that like what I'm passionate about and to see people falling into that same passion is like, Oh, this is amazing. And, yeah. um, and my brother has, has since every for, for Christmas for birthdays for his, he just graduated with his master's degree in, uh, in divinity, uh, at Oral Roberts university. And for that, oh. I got, guess what I got him. I got him a board game. So I'm just, I'm trying to just push the hobby onto so many people as, as many people as I can just to just spread the love. And, um, for instance, a couple of nights ago, he actually called me, him and his wife and, their, and his mother-in-law were, were playing Isle of Cats and they're like, Zach, we need, we need a, uh, we need this rule clarification. Yes. I, I, but it just made me so happy that they're playing games on their own now. And I'm like, I, I've, I've, I've expanded the, the, the hobby even more. I've made another follower. And so, um, it, it was, it's just such a cool feeling to, to know that you get to have these experiences with people you love. And, and get them involved to do it when you're not even there and to, 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 to partake in the hobby when you're not there. And, um, and they get to have those experiences themselves. And I think that my, for my brother, Mitch, that this is, it's, I could probably say that 
it was a time for him where he enjoyed it because we talked about it. He's like, hey, remember that time we sit up till 3 a.m. playing board games? Um, and it, it's just such a cool experience to get to to get to be with people you love and and have a meal and and play some really fun games. I think that's one of my top stories of of, uh, of board gaming. All right, I got a couple of follow up questions. I don't want to interrupt you, but uh, one: Who won the second game of sight? Did well, they learn, move, and, and do much better, or did you kick the butt again? So this is a funny story. I've played Scythe probably twenty times, and I have not lost every time I've played. So I, I don't, I don't know if I'm just playing board gamers who aren't that like who aren't good at Scythe, or if I'm just like really good. <laughs> but um, it's pro- it's probably the first thing is that they, they much might not be as good as, as I am. But I don't think I'm that good. But it's such a I haven't lost yet, so we haven't played in a while. So I need I need to get it back on the table and see if I can can be dethroned. We got a little scythe savant here. Okay, yes. interesting. Yes. And then two, what is your favorite uh, root faction to play? Oof, this is tough. So um, I think in the base game, like just with the the four factions, I really love the Woodland Alliance. They're the uh, they're the 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 common people who are revolting against the 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 higher powers of the um, Erie dynasty and the, uh, and the cats. And so it's such, I, I love their mechanics of, Hey, we're going to spread sympathy against these guys. Like for our, for our cause, we're spreading sympathy in all the little clearings and all the towns. And then when we get enough, we're going to explode and, and just, and just revolt against these, these, uh, these hierarchies. And so I, I love that. Um, just like the, they're the underdogs and, and they can be explosive, uh, uh, and just take out everybody. It's so cool. So, sorry, Zach. The answer we were looking for was the Irie Dynasty. <laughs> that is the best. There was a correct answer to oh, this question. Oh yes, yes. Okay. One last thing. So you mentioned that you uh, drink beers. What is your beverage of choice during these games? Oof. Okay, that is really tough. I mean, I, I'm all about local craft beer, so it's probably stuff you guys have never heard of. Um, but I, I really enjoy this. Uh, this brew that's in Oklahoma city, it's called the golden one um, from Anthem yeah. brewing company. It's a phenomenal beer. It's got like, it's like a fruit, like a lot of fruity notes and it's, it's phenomenal. Um, but I, I also love any, any uh, like Belgian style beers. I, I really enjoy those. Um, I, my go-to is a here in Tulsa is where I live. And there's a, a brewery called cabin boys brewery. And it's the, the brew is called the Bearded Theologian. It's a it's a Belgian quad, so it's a it's a really really strong it's a stronger beer. It's I think it's like eight point something percent um, ABV, but it's it's a good beer, it, it, and that's my go to. It's it's more of a sipper because it's like really caramely, um, mm-hmm. and it's got some like raisin in there too, which is interesting. But uh, it, it's delicious. Okay, I'm starting to notice a theme here with your brother and your beer choice and your board game evangelism. And I'm just starting to see the theme starting to form here, so it's just yeah, very interesting. There's a there's a there's a chorus of angels. What that what 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 theme are you are you seeing, Andrew? I think there's the oh, forming in the back. <laughs> it is a good combination, kind of like Dwight Schrute with Bears Beats and Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> but mine is board games, brothers, and beer. There you go. All right. So I want to bring this back to Scythe a little bit, ask more questions. One of my favorite parts of Scythe is the little tiny story game stories, like the the multiple choice cards that tell just a snippet of a story and you have to make a choice. Um, what are some of your favorite things? I mean, without spoiling anything, just are, are, what what part of those things do you enjoy that I do? 
That's a great question. So I think this, and I just making this connection as we're talking about this is like part of why I love paleo is that visual aspect of it. Right. And if you look at those little story cards you're talking about, I think they're called encounter cards um, in Scythe. But in those, it, it shows this amazing picture by that artist, Jacob Rosalski, that I mentioned. Um, it, sh- it just shows a picture and it gives three choices. And you, and for most of the time, you just get to choose one of those. And um, there are some abilities that let you choose multiple, but you get to choose one of those. And on the picture, like, for instance, there's one that I, I can just coming off the top of my head where it's like a cow or something or like some livestock. And it gives you like three choices. It's like, let the cow cross the road and gain some um, gain some uh, reputation with this village. And then another one's like, kill the cow and get some meat or, or get some resources. Um, and, and I don't remember what the third option is, but it's so interesting because it's such an, inter- it's such an amazing storytelling um, component is that you just, here's, here's a picture. And then you have some really neat things that like you can branch off from that picture. Um, and the world building for, for this game is, is just phenomenal. Um, but I absolutely love that mechanic. And it made, I just made that uh, correlation between paleo and, and uh, scythe. I think that's really cool. But what do you like about it? There's not that many games that do that either, mm-hmm. because I think obviously near and far and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so that world is kind of cool, but also the crossroads cards in um, the zombie game. I can't remember the name of it right now, oh. but uh, those are the, I really that winner. Dead of Winter, yes. yes, thank you. Um, those are the only ones I can really think of that really take that mechanic into play, and I adore that. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite part of Scythe. Now that said, I don't love the combat mechanic in Scythe. It feels a little bit pasted on and tossed in. So if I were to have any kind of criticism, I feel like when you play Scythe, it generally doesn't involve the combat. It's it's once in a while combat thing, mm-hmm. but I feel like the combat is inconsequential to the game and therefore I almost don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather focus on the engine building and the resource collection and, and then building up your efficiency of turns and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that's the part of the game I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really beautiful about the game design is that like in the, in the very beginning of the rule book, I, I pulled out the rule book for, because I was going to be talking about it because it's been a while since I played. But at the very beginning of the rule book, Jamie makes a little note is like, why do we call it Scythe? And this is what this is what I love is because you, you touched on it is that is that a scythe could be a weapon, but it's also a harvesting tool. And so mm. that's what's beautiful about the game is that you can you don't even have to do the combat at all, and, and it's still an amazing game. Um, but for for those like myself and my brother who enjoy combat, it's like okay, if I want to go the route of of building my military and building my 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 power, I don't remember what exactly it's called in the game, but you, you have a track that builds your um, your strength. And essentially, if, if you want to, you can, because then you can demolish everybody. But if you go that route, you're probably going to lose the game because there's so many other avenues to, to win and that you have to get these stars and, and there's secret objectives that you can fulfill. Um, and, and I think that's what I love about games is that there's – it's what I love about games when there's not one way to win. And in Scythe, yes. combat is definitely not – the one way to win like it's one avenue you can take but if you just focus on that then you're gonna you're, you're most likely gonna lose i've never played scythe My heart. <laughs> I gonna, I, so i mean the, all, you, this conversation sounds interesting and it's always been it's always kind of staring at my face when i'm at work because there's so many upgrades expansions for this game mm-hmm. uh, the the 
the biggest thing that stood out to me in the story is why do you think that this game inspired such a great memory for you? Was it the people? Was it the uh, the mechanics itself? Was it just the setting? Like, what what are some what you know? Scythe is a fantastic game. I can say that without you know any doubts. I know it's fantastic just because of what I've heard from people. So, what makes a great experience for you, in your opinion? Is it the game? Is it the people is it the beard <laughs> what what just share sure. your thoughts on that i mean the service level answer is i think it's a combination of all of them um because you can play the best game of all time and if you're playing or like in your opinion and if you're playing with the wrong people it can be a terrible experience um agree and like so for instance just to n- touch on that is like i played this i tried to play this game with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law one time and they hated it. Like they, and it was a miserable time because I kept trying to teach them and I, I did the teach I where I always do. And they just were not understanding it. Um, and I had, a, mm-hmm. I had a horrible time playing it, but I think it, it has to be the right people with the right board game. Because I, like you guys mentioned, is like, there's a board game for everybody. Um, yes. And, and I think that Scythe, what is so cool is that it's so approach or at least in my eyes, it's a, it's approachable because it's a, such a cool theme. It's post-World War One. Um, there's, there's some really neat like fantasy and uh, like steampunk aspects to it. Um, mm-hmm. And the art is phenomenal. To me, the, the, the mechanics flow so well together. Um, and also I just got to be with people I love and uh, who also love that same kind of uh, alternate history post-World War One. Uh, it was just really, really cool. Um, and also when you're when you're when you've had a couple beers and you're feeling good to me board games are just there it's the it's the time to do it um i i I just i love every aspect of it i agree i think in general board games are the baseline Mm -hmm. and the people that play improve or make it worse based on the people yep most definitely so why are here's a question for both of you then why are board games such a good foundation for memorable get-togethers what makes them a thing like you, if you think about it, lots of people, even outside the hobby, they remember, you know, oh, we were at this cabin. So time we were playing Uno, we just had such a good time and did this and that, and then that's a, a good part of the memory. What makes you know the tabletop a tabletop game, whether it be a TTRPG or a board game like Scythe? What are, what elements of this hobby make it such a good foundation for memorable events? All right. So for me, the experience is a shared one, right? And I think that board games are one of the few things where you can have a shared experience that goes deeper than just physical interaction. For instance, you know, there are plenty of times where I go to the movies with my friends, we go and see the movie, nobody interacts the entire time. And then afterwards we have a conversation. Sometimes it's a two minute conversation. Sometimes it's an hour conversation, but you're not interacting in the meantime. You know, if you're part of a bowling league, you are interacting, but it's physical activity and there's not really interaction unless there's trash talking, right? Where in a board game, each person is one side of an equation that interlocks with the others. And therefore it leads to more tension, more strategic depth, but also this interesting shared experience that is a story that gets spun from a single thread. So you tell the first turn and then somebody else tells the second turn and it kind of goes, it's almost like an improv experience where the story gets told through everybody's actions. And I think that's singularly one of the few ways that can ever happen in this world. And I think based on that, it's a very cool and different experience. I agree. Uh, I definitely think that it, it just, 
it's it's common ground for everybody and everyone's working towards you know whether it's a co-op game they're working towards the same goal or if you're it's a, more of a competitive game you're working on your own thing um and, and it just brings people together like i people that i don't know that well that i've gotten together and play board games with we we can relate over the board game like you said afterwards or during during the the session we get to talk and and interact um and just and just really just get to know each other more through this common thing that's sitting on a table in front of us. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, and, and that's why board games have been around for thousands of years or longer than that. But it's, uh, it's such a beautiful thing for sure. I also think it's that you have multiple types of board games doing multiple types of things. Mm-hmm. So you can tell multiple stories. My favorite board game nights are the ones where we play one game, then we play a different game and then we play another game and you get to get three different experiences three different stories mm-hmm. get told three completely different genres are explored that's fun for yes. me too I, I, that's what's so cool about the hobby is that there are so many different things you can play and and like my friend like for instance for me i enjoy dice rolling on, on, on some things but my friend he hates dice rolling and sometimes we get to play a dice rolling game and he actually loves it and, and, and it's just it's so cool to just have so many things and especially since we're in such an awesome time for board games is that there's something for everybody. And, and it's just, it's a, it's such a cool thing when we get to be together and, and play a game and, and maybe not like it, but then get to play another one. Like you said, when a board game is on a table, I, I I've never seen this and this is not a rip on the people. I have never seen so many socially as, you know, it's awkward or challenge the right word people than this hobby. And what I mean is, you know, these are people, I don't know like, maybe the exact, maybe the politically correct terminology, people who struggle with social mm-hmm. interactions, maybe the best way to put it. Right. I see tons of people in the board game hobby uh, who are like this. They aren't good at talking mm-hmm. with people. They don't necessarily even like, you know, verbal interaction. And what I think attracts these people to the hobby and why it's so welcoming and why we welcome them in, because we know as gamers is that when you sit down and play a game, the... The beauty, you don't actually have to sit down and talk with a person in front of you. You can interact, you, you explain your entire personality, who you are, kind of in, in, in some ways, through the board. You interact, your personality comes out through what you do on the board with the cards in a game like Scythe. What you are and how you do, I'm sure, you know, it comes out with how you mm-hmm. play the game. And, you know, it really is, like you said, a beautiful thing. We, It's one of the hobbies and one of the things that uh, really makes tabletop so great is the idea that you can have interaction through the board and that comes out through interaction mm-hmm. with others. And so that's why I believe it's growing so much is because people are getting more, it's getting harder for lots of people, especially younger people to interact with each other because of social media and things like that. And we live in a very digital ward, world and tabletop provides a space for them to interact with a familiar kind of user landscape of moving pawns on a board to help connect with yeah. people. And I think that I 100% agree with all that is that I think that another thing is like, like we mentioned earlier, like we've made so many great friends from this community and, and for those of people like, because it's, it's, it's honestly a ministry like of just loving people. Um, and like when you go to cons, like you get to, you get to interact with people you you would never interact with. Like I, I, I've met some really awesome people. It's like, Hey, what you doing in a little bit? Let's play a game. And they're like, oh, a game, I'm going to be there. And you can tell that that might be a, a, a struggle for them is, is putting themselves out there. Um, and that's such a cool thing. Like you said, it, it's just such a welcoming community. 
I think we've dived deep enough, and I think we're right near the bottom of the ocean's edge. I see some giant squid on the side, <laughs> kind of just staring us down. So how about we see what's on our radar, and we'll talk about some other games. Josh, what's on your radar then? Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances. Yeah. So this is from the op. The op is very much stepping up their game when it comes to the hobby market. For those of you who don't know, the op is most famous for giving us the themed monopolies. Uh, I think that's kind of their claim to fame in the past. Most recently, in the last couple of years, they're making a push to enter into the hobby market. They've released a couple great games over the past couple of years. Um, um, they did Smash Up Marvel, which is still IP. They did the Cuphead game. They released Mountains over Mountains Out of Molehills. They're starting to come out with some great things. But I want to talk about today is you know Disney's Sorcerer's Alliance, which is based off the app of the same name. Uh, it's a board game. Inter, inter, it's a board game uh, interpretation of the app. What you do is you have Disney characters and you fight each other over some hills. It's kind of like a, I think it's a turn-based. RPG, whatever. Mm-hmm. But this game is a hand management hand management skirmish game. Um, I played it for the first time over their playtesting Discord. Mm-hmm. I got like a preview, and I haven't had time to actually playtest a lot of their stuff. But I was able to, at Origins, I was able to sit down and have a full demo of the actual game. And because I was volunteering there, I was able to say, hey, they will say, hey, which game do you want out of the demo copies? Most people don't really keep them afterwards. Well, I said, I want this one, and I got a copy. Nice. For free, so it's awesome. But this is a I've so I've played only a half game on a chapter three mode. They have like different chapters to introduce the games to people, and I'm ready to go to the chapter four mode, which includes upgrading your characters, upgrading I think you upgrade your cards, different rules and stuff. I want to dive into it because I had such fun with the hand management and like basically King of the Hill aspects of these games. Mm-hmm. It's two player, which is always a win for me. I'm going to sit down with my wife hopefully soon and play it and have a good time. They're coming out with expansions from Alana, Stitch, and I believe Davy Jones. I love mm-hmm. the characters they're choosing. They're doing everything right with this, in my opinion. But that is Disney's Sorcerer's Arena. Uh, Zach, what are you looking forward to? What's on your radar? Yeah, um, I, I recently got a copy a couple months ago of Oath, and I'm very excited for Oath. I love everything leader or letter Ooh. games. Um I have not even, I opened it up and looked at all the components and punched out everything. I have not read the rules at all. Um, I, From what I understand, it's a very difficult teach. And it's kind of a hard yeah. game to wrap your mind around, but I'm really excited for that. I love everything that uh, Letter da- letter Games uh, does, or Leader Games. And um, I love Root and Fort. I haven't gotten to play Vast yet. I've I've got the, the Kickstarter for uh, ARCs, really excited for that. But Oath is one I'm really looking forward to um, and where you just get to uh, every game affects future games, um, from what I understand, and it's really excited for that. Yeah, I got a chance to play Oath with the board gaming group, and it was very difficult for me to fully gronk and understand, mm-hmm. even after the play. So yes, the teach is very difficult. Um, it's one I need to get back and get another chance to, but uh, it's a complicated one, but in a good way and some interesting stuff going mm-hmm. on. Uh, for me, on my radar, it's Whistle Mountain. So uh, this is a... Yeah, this is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, and you go ahead. But, yep, I don't know how you do a mountain sound, but that works. That's fine. Ah! I'm on a mountain. <laughs> okay. So, Whistle oh, Mountain. This is devolving. Okay. Um, 
let's let's start over again. All right. So on my radar, I've got Whistle Mountain. Uh, part of my deep dive into the polyamino genre. My wife played this one at Origins, and she liked it so much she demanded I buy a copy. So I now have one. It is actually sitting on my table. I started to punch it out. And I'm curious to see what that one's like. It's got some cool mechanisms, including the whole idea of flooding the board from the bottom up, building the engines, um, placing pieces to do different kind of things. So there's some worker placement aspect to this, but uh, seems like a really good game. And I really like both these designers, Luke Laurie and Scott Caputo. So I'm very curious to see what this one's like. Well, that sounds fun. I've heard lots of good things about Whistle Mountain. Uh, if you want a good polyomino game, as much before, have you tried Isle of Cats yet? It is also in shrink wrap and on my shelf, and I have not pulled it out yet, but it's on the list. Yeah, I've got the the big box version from the most recent Kickstarter. That game, that in my opinion, is the best polyomino game out there. Doesn't mean it's factually that, but I I absolutely adore Outcats. It is so so mm-hmm. good. I'm pretty sure Zach would have. Yes, it's a it's a phenomenal game, and it's about cats. And I love cats. All right, so now, plus or minus better than Feast for Odin. Uh, I've read the rule book for Feast for Odin. Oh, my man. gut reaction. I need to play Feast for Odin for real. I know you like heavier games. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, Andrew, I think you will like Feast for Odin better, but I think my preference would be Isle of Cats. Okay. That's, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not going to pick sides because I haven't played Feast for Odin yet and I want to, it's not, I just need to get a copy of it, but I think you will. I think you will like Isle of Cats a lot, especially if you start to dig into some of the expansions a little bit, like the ones that make it a little more difficult. Okay. Um, but I think Feast for Odin is going to be your number one, even after playing Isle of Cats. Fair enough. Now, Feast for Odin is a whole conversation in and of itself. But what I also love about it is the depth of replayability in that game. All the cards that you're not going to see for your first ten plays, and then I went ahead and got the Norwegians expansion. So I'm going to be playing. <laughs> For years. Huh. Well, I don't know about you guys. It's hard to breathe now. It's getting hot. It's sweaty. I want to go get some fresh air. Let's uh, let's uh, start to ascend and let's uh, resurface. Zach, my man, thank you so much for coming on an adventure with us today and taking part in the Tabletop Submarine if people want to connect with you, they want to know more about you or know more about Mantle of the Keeper. There we go. Uh, I think at this point when the episode released, might be in the latter half of the campaign. Uh, but just, you know, give them the spiel about Zach Ravang on how they can connect with you and what you're working on. Yeah. Um, Mantle of the Keeper is going to be live, I believe, until August 6th. Um, so you'll we're, we're live on Kickstarter. So if you're familiar with the platform, you can head there. If you want to reach us or me, I have my own personal um uh, Instagram, but the best place is the our Strongbox Games, which is uh, the company that my best friend Ben and I um, design or created. And you can reach out to us on um, any social media platform. We're really active on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but Strongbox Games, we also have a website that is Strongbox.games. Um, so definitely check out the Kickstarter if you're into the skirmish uh, kind of genre. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're really excited to see where it goes. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. I, I've loved our loved our conversation. So it looks like you are at the at the time of this recording, um, you are really close to meeting your goal. <laughs> like it's right on the edge. So listeners, uh, Zach and Ben are a great guy. If you if you like the skirmishing like that, feel free to go and support them. 
Zach, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. We hope that everything goes well with Strongbox, and we hope to keep in contact with you and Ben throughout it and you know, try to help make all of our games better. Well, listeners, thank you so much for coming on another Deep Sea Adventure List in the Tabletop Submarine. As always, I'm Josh. And I'm Andrew. And this is the Tabletop Submarine. Thank you.